Thank you for joining us today on A Word from the Lord. Today begins a new series entitled, Life in the Spirit. According to John the Baptist, Jesus baptizes his followers with the Holy Spirit. Foley Beach examines what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how, as a Christian, you can make sure you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Follow along in your Bible as Foley brings the message which comes to us from Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 22. It is entitled, The Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not too long ago, my son James and I went to a restaurant known for its steaks. And we ordered a meal and I was looking so forward to eating that. We don't get to eat at one of these steak places that often. And so the steak comes, and it wasn't what I expected. Uh, There was fat, gristle, and it was so bad in my perspective that when the waitress came, she asked, well, well, everything okay? No, it isn't. I was quite disappointed. I was let down. They didn't produce what they said they'd produce. Jesus told us that a tree would be known by its fruit. That as believers of Jesus, we would be known by our fruit. And that if we're followers of Jesus, then we should have the fruit of Jesus in our lives. We should be producing what we say we are. Now in Galatians chapter 5 verse 21, Paul tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. Love, joy. Peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. But with too many followers of Jesus, there's a disconnect between what our profession of faith is and our lifestyles. We profess to be Christians, but then we're not very loving. We're not very joyful. We're not very patient. We're not very kind. We profess to be Christians, but then we're not gentle We're not faithful. We lack self-control. And so we have to ask ourselves, why is there this disconnect? What's the problem? Now let's be real for a moment. None of us is perfect. All of us have moments when we're tired and irritable. If you want to know about me, just ask my family. (laughs) They'll tell you. I'm not perfect. I blow it. I'm not talking about this when I ask these questions. Although, as we grow closer to Christ and we become more mature in the faith, moment by moment, we should be more like Him. But I'm talking about our lifestyle. I'm talking about our day-to-day routines. I'm talking about the way I treat my family members, the way I treat my co-workers, the way we serve the Lord. I'm talking about how we treat the waitress when the meal doesn't come out like it should. Or I'm talking about the cashier in the grocery store. Or some of you youth here, when you're driving down the road. I'm talking about how you treat other people. Why is it that there's this disconnect? Why am I not loving, joyful, patient, kind, peaceful? Why do I not have kindness in my life and gentleness? And why am I not manifesting self-control? If we're believers of Jesus Christ... God has given you and me an incredible gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. But there's a disconnect. 
He's not active in our lives. There's a disconnect. He's not free to live in us like we say he does. And mostly, we're too often clueless to what he wants to do and what he desires. This morning, we've already talked about the Holy Spirit numerous times. I don't know if you noticed in some of the songs, we mentioned the Holy Spirit. In the prayer we prayed a few minutes ago, we mentioned the Holy Spirit. In the scripture that was read, we mentioned the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so key to the Christian life. Now, in the Bible, we have numerous names for the Holy Spirit. We could go around and you probably all have your favorites. The Holy Ghost, the Comforter, the Counselor, the Hound of Heaven, the Heavenly Dove, the Fire of God, the Convictor, the Healer, the Unifier, the Third Person of the Trinity. It's interesting that in Christianity, we pray for the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Holy Spirit. We pray in the Holy Spirit. We sing to the Holy Spirit. The scriptures tell us that we're to be born of the Holy Spirit, that we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we're to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit was the gift that his Father had promised. The Holy Spirit was to be our helper, our guide, our advocate. But for too many of us, and I want you to think about your own life for a moment, is the Holy Spirit something that's real or is the Holy Spirit a concept? This mystical thing out there somewhere. This unexplainable term. The Christian life is pretty empty without the Holy Spirit. Actually, you can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. It's like an apple tree with no apples. It's like a grapevine with no grapes. It's like a honeysuckle vine with no honeysuckles on it. Church worship, when we gather together, is nothing more than empty ritual, boredom for some people, but routine for others without the Holy Spirit. And God always seems remote and distant without the Holy Spirit. There's a man named John, and he lived out in the country back in the days where they were beginning to hook electricity up to people's houses. And he resisted and resisted and finally decided that he wanted to have electricity in his house too, so he had his house wired and the electric company ran a wire all the way to the end of the driveway. All he had to do was get an electrician to run a wire from his house to the end of the driveway, and he'd have electricity. But there was a disconnect. He missed it. He had his house wired, so he had a party. He had everybody come over to celebrate him getting his house wired, his new electricity. So it began to get dark. He lit some candles and some oil lamps, showed everybody his light switches and his new lights. But there was no power. That's how it is with too many of our lives. We're all wired up, but we're not hooked in. We know all the right answers. But we're not hooked in. There's no power. We're attempting to follow Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open with me to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, Jesus is coming to John the Baptist to be baptized. And the passage begins with the people questioning whether or not John is the Messiah. When John came on the scene. He came on the scene with all this Holy Spirit action around him. In Luke chapter 1, we find the story about the 
angel speaking to Zechariah, his father, and telling him that he was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit at his birth. Luke 1.15, the angel speaks, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his birth. A few verses later, Mary is appeared to by the angel and told that she's going to have a baby, what we just celebrated at Christmas. But if you remember from that story, Mary goes down to visit Elizabeth, her cousin. That's John's mother. Verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. That was John who leaped in, his, in the womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember when Zechariah was in the temple? Y'all remember this story? We told it a few weeks ago. The angel appeared. He couldn't talk. His wife gets pregnant like the angel said. Elizabeth then gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And then eventually John is born. And they did what they were supposed to do. They took him on the eighth day to have him circumcised. And it came time for John to be named. And his mother says... He's going to be John. And they're all questioning, John, what do you mean John? They look to Zechariah, the dad. He said, lights on the writing tablet because he can't talk. His name will be John. And immediately at that point, we're told in verse 67, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he began to prophesy. Now back to chapter 3 a minute. All this Holy Spirit is going on. So the people are wondering whether John is the Messiah. And what does he say in verse 16? I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. No, I'm not the one you're looking for. But when he comes, he is going to baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. He is going to immerse you. He is going to saturate you with Holy Spirit. Now a question. Who was Jesus' biological father? Just think a minute. Who was Jesus' biological father? We're told that Joseph was his guardian but not his biological father. In Luke chapter 1, if you'll turn back there with me, we have the story of Mary receiving the good news that that she's going to bear a son, that he was going to be the Messiah. And, And Mary questions the answer, how can I be? And the text tells us there that she says, I'm a virgin, how is this going to happen? Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So who is the biological father of Jesus? The Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit. And then after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Mary obeyed the Jewish custom and and took Jesus to the temple to be dedicated to the Lord. And she and Joseph... They arrive in the temple, and I want you to see what happens. Look at Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. 
He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, the Christ. Moved by the Holy Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. So with all this history and all this Holy Spirit action going on all around Jesus, Jesus then comes to be baptized. Look at Luke chapter 3, verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love and I am well pleased. So I hope you're still with me. So the one who was birthed by the Holy Spirit, who was to baptize by the Holy Spirit. He's baptized, and then the Holy Spirit descends upon him in bodily form like a dove. Now, what's going on here? Did Jesus not have the Holy Spirit at this point? Would not his biological DNA just saturate with Holy Spirit? Was he not God of God at this point? Yes, he was. Yes, he had the Holy Spirit at this time. Yes, he was God at this time. But it's here at his baptism that he received the baptism of the Spirit or the anointing to do the ministry that God had set before him. It's like Luke puts it in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. The baptism of Jesus initiated the baptism of the Holy Spirit which anointed Jesus to do the ministry that God had set forth for him to do. Now my question to all of us this morning is if Jesus needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit, do not we? If Jesus needed it, don't we? For three years... A group of disciples followed Jesus around. They saw him teach. They heard his teachings. They saw him do miracles. They were with him in all kind of different situations. Then one day they saw him killed. And three days later he began to appear to them. And for 40 days he appeared. But before he left, before he ascended, he said, Go into Jerusalem and wait For the gift my Father is going to send you. It's Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Listen to what he says. He says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then Acts 1.8, he goes on further. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now, most of us know the rest of the story. Acts chapter 2 gives the media version of the account. It was the day of Pentecost. The disciples were all gathered there together, and they heard this sound like a rushing wind, like a storm wind coming through. And we're told that these tongues of fire, what seemed like tongues of fire, came and rested on each of the disciples, and they were each filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they began to speak in foreign languages that they didn't understand. They were anointed by the Holy Spirit for the ministry that God had given for them. Now my question, if Jesus needed to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, shouldn't we? If His disciples needed to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, shouldn't we? But Foley, I believe in Jesus Foley, I've received Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Don't I have the Holy Spirit? Yes, you do have the Holy Spirit. You can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. But the real question is, does the Holy Spirit have you? Does the Holy Spirit have you? You see, there's a difference, a big difference. You will be a very frustrated Christian if you try to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. It becomes a set of do's and don'ts, legalism. It's miserable. There's no joy. There's no love. There's no peace. The fruit of the Spirit doesn't happen. So how do I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life? How do I get it in my life? First, I must want God's will in God's way in my life. That's what Jesus was all about. Wanting God's will in God's way in my life. I must want that. Secondly, I must be repentant of my sins. I must be repentant of my sins. That's what the baptism of John was all about. People were coming to repent of their sins and be baptized. And third, I must surrender. I must yield The real question is not, do I have the Holy Spirit? But does the Holy Spirit have me? Now, most of you all know all this. You could teach it. You've heard it all your life. But like some of you kids here who've been brought up in the church, you're more interested in your iPods than yielding to God. You're more interested in what's the latest message on MySpace than listening to God and yielding to God. You're more interested in impressing your friends than impressing God. You don't have the power of God in your life and so you're missing out. Some of you adults here, you're more interested in your checking account or the color of your car than yielding to God. You're more interested in the latest episode of 24 Desperate Housewives than listening to God. You're more interested in getting ahead of the Joneses than listening to God. And so you don't have the power of God in your life and you're missing out. Because you're not willing to surrender your life, you're not being filled with the Holy Spirit. How do I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life? I must want God's will in my life. 
I must be repentant of my sins and I must surrender. Lord, you're Lord. Lord, you're not just the Lord, but you're my Lord. For those who have been baptized with the Holy Spirit and you've been trying to live your life filled with the Holy Spirit, we run into two obstacles that the Scripture tells us about. The first obstacle is sin. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, we find this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of bitterness and rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Why does the Holy Spirit grieve? Because there's death. The wages of sin is death. Romans 3.23 And sure, we may have our salvation and we may know that we're going to heaven, but when we sin, there is always death. Death to relationships. Death to possibilities. Death to integrity. Death to my witness. Death to my fellowship with God. On and on we could go. When we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. It's personal to Him. And why is it personal? Because He literally indwells us. He comes and lives within us. And in 1 Corinthians 6, we're told that our temples are the bodies of the Holy Spirit, so we shouldn't sin against our bodies because we sin against Him. When we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Second obstacle is we quench the Holy Spirit. And the way we quench the Holy Spirit is when we're ungrateful and we murmur against God's will for our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out or quench the Spirit's fire. We quench the Holy Spirit when we refuse to give thanks for God's will for us. We murmur, we complain, we gripe, we envy. And rather than the fruit of the Spirit being present in our lives, we're bitter, angry, we get mean, envious. It's so easy to grieve the Holy Spirit and it's so easy to quench the Holy Spirit. And when we do, we should immediately confess our sins, repent of the sin, and the Holy Spirit who is that stream of living water of God's presence in our life that just flows, will begin flowing again. John said of Jesus, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Thank you, Foley. If you would like to hear this message again, please visit our website, www.awordfromthelord.org. If you have any comments or questions you'd like to ask Dr. Beach, you can email him at foley at awordfromthelord.org. Again, his email address is foley at a word from the Lord.org. If you don't have internet access and you'd like to get a copy of today's message and the entire series, 
please write to us. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Again, our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Remember, for any amount of love gift, you will get not only today's message, but the entire series. A Word from the Lord broadcast is made possible through God's grace, your prayers, and support. If you feel led to partner with A Word from the Lord in our mission, you can reach us by visiting our website. Again, the website address is www.awordfromthelord.org. Or again, you can write us at our mailing address, P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Thank you in advance for your prayers and support for A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach, I'm Jeremy Coleman. And from all of us here at A Word from the Lord, until next time, it is our prayer that you would be seeking A Word from the Lord.